Welcome to the Trend Detection Podcast, powered by Sensei, an industry leader in using AI to drive scalable and sustainable asset performance and reliability. For this four-part series, I'm joined by Florian Beale, CEO of Axelus Reply, an accelerator to enable manufacturers to embrace the industrial internet of things. In the third episode of this series, we discuss the most in-demand industrial IoT use cases, how manufacturers can scale these projects themselves, and much more. I hope you enjoy it. And, and just to dive into those use cases, obviously, I mean, predictive maintenance is one we're uh, very close right. to sensitize heart for obvious reasons. But what, what can you provide some examples of um, some of the most in-demand use cases even for a good, good starting point? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that's an, the in-demand use case is actually an interesting question. I think uh, at the moment, and, and of course, I need to give a little bit of background. So um, when I talk about use cases now in this call, I talk about use cases or templates that we have uh, as Axelos. So we enrich the system, of course, with templates. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, customer use cases. So, for example, if Autotech builds a solution template, it's their template and it's them to talk about it. Um, uh, and these type of use cases, for example, they build are really specific to their wave handling lines, for example. So, so it's a, it's, it's a whole new discussion on, on that level when you talk to a, uh, electronic manufacturer, but from our libraries, um, I think what is, um, the use cases, which are of course, uh, striving, uh, are very industry specific. But on a generic level, I think a lot of it starts, as I mentioned, with transparency and condition monitoring. So uh, connecting um, critical assets, um, uh, defining, um, configuring dashboards, and also having a rule engine, which is a starting point for me most of the times. Um, Then, of course, um, um, there are... uh, I would say specific use cases on top of transparency, which are uh, um, uh, higher end and related to then to artificial intelligence based on the data. So, and of course, uh, you with Sensei um, are definitely in, in predictive maintenance is still a topic all over the place. Um, so, are there certain assets which where we can predict failures? Um, and the the technology you have there with with Sensei is definitely a uh, a leading one, which uh, uh, which will bring a lot of, I mean, uh, value add to the customers. Uh, but there are also now, uh, for example, a lot of things emerging around computer vision based AI. So, uh, for example, um, and I can speak openly about it. So we work a lot with with the Frankfurt Airport, um, which at the moment, I mean, initially, if you would have asked me two years ago, do you think an airport would be a big customer of mine? Given Corona, I would say no way. <laughs> but at the end, it's, it's the opposite way around now. I mean, as they had the hard time, I mean, of course, they they are very capacity constrained, and they are looking now for digital solutions to to be able to scale. And one of the cases there is computer vision based, where you know you film with a camera certain assets of the airport, so the so-called dollies, so the small wagons which carry your suitcase, for example, from the band to the aircraft. Uh, and behind the computer vision, there's artificial intelligence, which classifies, you know, the, the, the dollies and 
and tells the operators where are now which type of dollies so that they can load or unload the next plane. Yeah. So I would say this is the second level, second class of, of use cases which are on demand, like taking the basic information you, you do, you collect with uh, IoT and condition monitoring and then add some artificial intelligence. Might it be on predictive maintenance, might it be on computer vision, might it be on uh, quality assurance in production, so auto detection of, of mechanical scraps or failures on products. I mean, these are this is for me the next level I would say of, of use cases which are which are um, interesting at the moment and then the next step for me which uh, where we also have quite some interesting discussions uh, on templates which are getting more complex to be honest um, is then really applying this concept of you know data transparency artificial intelligence uh, not only to one area or to one machine but really to an end-to-end production process so um, we, we call it AI-based process uh, improvement, which basically templifies the setup where you connect different type of machines, maybe along a line, different type of sensors, uh, and you train, uh, you collect data, uh, and you correlate this operational data to a target output data, like quality or quality of the parts you, you produce. And then you train the AI to correlate this input with the uh, with the achieved output uh, and give the operator an indication, hey, you're now going into a combination of production parameters where, and production parameters across the end-to-end -end pro uh, process where your output might be in danger, so please readjust now. Um, but these are more complex ones, but it really is, I think, is then for me the next step of evolution. And all the things that we talked about, you know, connectivity, uh, cloud and scale computing, um, artificial intelligence on an on a station asset level on the end-to-end -end processes um, these are the these are the topics we're actually talking about and where we also templify and then of course we templify it for different industries so we apply these concepts to logistics warehouse management to automotive to airports to machine builders um, uh, which then of course is always a very specific representation of this template but it's the concepts are comparable maybe the last element i would like to add in the use cases of course always a question so there's a technology part and out which is one legal brick one solution element in our templates can be an edge device where you know you train ai in the cloud and then you deploy it onto the edge really to to have a short response time of the artificial intelligence output but that's for that's for me Maybe the same class of use cases, just the, the technical implementation is a little bit different with a technology building block called Edge, um, um, addressing uh, time critical uh, issues on the shop floor. So this would be my answer to that. So I think it's it's very very you know industry and very process specific, but on a very high level, maybe this would be the use cases we're talking about most of the time. So data transparency, condition monitoring. Uh, AI bay AI on a asset station level, like predictive maintenance, like computer vision, and then AI end to end process improvement. That's some really interesting examples. There. The, the airport one's particularly interesting as well. It's something you just, I guess, from someone from afar would never even contemplate. It has technology yeah. sort of driving behind it. 
and how much tech and and right. completely with the issues that are being experienced at airports. I think if anyone's been traveling in the last few months will know that, know that all too well, um, including myself. But um, how much technology again? And I guess you're feeling positive about that as well. That that, that can really make make the difference and really assist airports in this instance right. as well. Mm-hmm. And um, no, so, I think look, sorry. I mean, it's also. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You go. Sorry. Go I mean, I just wanted to add one thing because it's also an interesting thing I never, never would have thought before. Um, look, we started with Axelos as a as a as an engineering system for digital solutions in in industry, um, and it really also depends a bit on the on the maturity of the customer. How adaptive are they to this core idea? Uh, but if you're starting with digitalization, it's actually hmm, interesting. But not there; they're not feeling the immediate pain because they didn't try to scale a solution yet. But what helps, though, is because when we talked to an airport, they looked at that and said, "Okay, we somehow believe you can scale digital because uh, you know we are, don't have only Frankfurt, but we have 40 other airports in our network. And whatever we build for Frankfurt, of course, you also want to scale somewhere. But given you have that engineering system, can you engineer or can you configure a solution for us which does this? And this was then the Dolly topic. Uh, so. There are also type of customers who say, yeah, okay, we believe you can productize it somehow, but I now need a specific solution for that problem. And that's where this whole template business came up for us, um, where we're doing these templates now, we publish them for the customer and they can expose it to all different type of installation sites, which uh, again proves for me the point that, you know, a generic technology or a platform technology, as we call it, is interesting for the customer, but they really start to tick when they see a concrete problem solved for them based on the technology. And that's um, that's how we came up with the airport topic. <laughs> because for, if you would ask me, what is your problem at the airport? I would never come up with that idea. Uh, but as you know, the, the operators know it, we can configure the templates very easily for them and they can see that. That's how it started. So it also provides you a means of, you know, activating the innovation of the real operators and the experts that they see, ah, yeah, they can handle the technology, they can translate it into something useful for me. So what I need is this. And then you start to build a template, you configure it, you build it and you scale it. And that's, that's, I think also a very valuable approach to digitalization after all. And I guess what I wanted to add, I mean, is it, I mean, it obviously will depend on projects. So it's not really a general view because every project is different. Every template is different. Every use case in some way. Not, right. Well, maybe not different. But I guess what my point is, how difficult is it actually in reality to, to design some of these solutions end-to-end, as, as you put it? Um, and I know that that's a broad uh-huh. question considering the different projects involved. Right. But maybe just a, in, yeah, I don't know if there's an example you can give on that. So... Um... I mean, look, I mean, um, so really taking an existing template and configuring it for a specific installation, if you have all the components, I would say, already in the basket, I mean, that's, that's rather, that's rather a, a simple approach for us because the whole end-to-end system, Exilus would guide you through that, I don't say in... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say in minutes, but I, I could show you now in half an hour, okay, we take the template, we configure it, we get the installation workflow, we publish it to the end user and they start in play, installation. 
But of course, I need to say there's an assumption behind it. So the assumption is, okay, we already have a template. We have the technology built up um, and we can, we can work with that. But um, if you start a new use case, um, of course, we need to be a new, build a new template. We, maybe you need to develop some of the software. So for example, the com computer vision part of the dropout case I showed you needs to be built once. Uh, but the big difference to my previous life actually was that with Exodus, if you build it once, you you have that Lego brick into your repository. That means the next time you need something like a dolly detection, I already have a pre-configured AI model, which I can reuse and reconnect into another uh, use case. So for example, um, if not an airport addresses us, but uh, an automotive OEM who needs to deliver or which needs to deliver his uh, outer components into big boxes, uh, they have the same problem. They ship it all over the world. They have some areas where they park them, but they don't know exactly how many are there, which type and so on. And they think, might, might ask, so can, I, can you adapt this solution to our problem, namely not dollies, but, you know, shipping boxes? And that means we, 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 can, we can reuse to a large extent this modular approach. We can reuse a lot of the components uh, of the previous solution and we can only delta develop the one thing or the ui or the, the the training of the ai model which is missing and we do that only once and then we have another lego brick in our repository which we can reuse that means although you might at the beginning have some initial effort to build a template uh, the more templates you build you get faster and faster because you start to build your your modular repository your integrations and your installation workflow libraries so that the next time you're much faster and you get faster and faster. And I think this is also a very interesting scaling effect, which the first customers start to see now that um, it's not only a good procedure and transparency and it can analyze, but you also start to build a repository of software integrations, knowledge, which allows you to get faster and faster with each and every installation, each and every use case. So. As said, if it's there, it's very quick. Uh, if I build a solution, it can take, based on the UI components, I think the, the Fraport solution we built within, or template we built technically, not only in Exodus, but also with the software components within three months. Um, and from there on, it starts to scale because then you have everything and you can configure it for different installations and you have the, especially also the installation workflows in the system. So that's the, that's the timeframes we're talking about. But you will also get faster and faster. So the three months, maybe in one year down the road or two years, might be one month uh, or even faster because we have already a lot of libraries and bricks or our customer has that. So um, we also expect that, that you have quite some efficiency gains there. And it's the idea with the scalability. I'm just thinking, first of all, from a sensor perspective, so we have a customer on the Nissan who sent you at a stage where they're so sort of advanced and... Um, mature, let's say that they they almost and through we have a platform called Omniverse, which is provides sort of a step by step guide to sort of scaling and um, and that and they almost roll out new light production lines themselves. They're almost taking on them. So is that the idea that um, you create the templates? Then when they get to the point of scalability, that's when you take a step back and they can reuse that the templates themselves. Or or is your involvement still in there in that in the scalability part of the the phase that phase i mean to be honest, yeah, yeah so um to be honest i mean the idea is really um that we provide the customer system where you can 
use it by himself to scale a solution. So what we typically, if, if you talk about an Exodus core customer, so a customer who, who buys the engineering system and starts to build his own libraries, what we're actually doing in the onboarding is we enable him to use the system to build own templates, to connect his own repositories and libraries so that he can start to build and deliver his own solutions. That means um, we, we are actually not involved anymore in, in, a, in an execution of an installation workflow when Autotech delivers a solution. We are just now enabling them uh, initially to, um, to use the system to build up the libraries and, and to work with it. Um, but these are the type of customers that, you know, that are, I would say, mature enough to, to understand digital solutions, to build the libraries and to deliver them. There are other type of customers like maybe Fraport at the moment still is where saying, hey, look, I'm, I understand you can scale solutions, but actually I don't want to build a library yet or I, I want to work with the system, but I'm, I'm not coding it. But uh, we would need a support from someone who builds a template in Exclus for us so that we can later scale it out. And that means that you always have a partner uh, involved that builds a solution, makes it ready for scale out in that scenario. Uh, but the general idea is really to help our customers to, to be independent and scale with the system by themselves. And then it's also not our interest, of course, to, I mean, it's their IP at the end of the day, what type of solutions, how they're built, how they're configured. Uh, so we're not, unless the customer wants us to be involved, we are, we are actually out of that and supporting just the core engineering system. Yeah, because I was, I was interested in you, because you made a point earlier, or you sort of corrected yourself a little bit earlier by saying it's it's not it's not our IP, it's actually the what we're creating is the customer's right. IP, which is, thought right. of it, is an interesting right. distinction. And again, that links in nicely to what you were saying earlier about one of the key challenges in manufacturing of keeping knowledge, you know, you know if, someone, yeah. if someone leaves, that knowledge should still be there so the next person who comes in doesn't have to, you know, there's not so, so much upskilling. If all the tools and knowledge is there, they can go, oh, okay, this is how it's done. They might have a few questions, but it just makes that process, that not just the scalability process, but right. a new starter coming in and maybe having to pick up on that on those projects Absolutely. makes their job a lot easier. Absolutely. That Absolutely. Makes sense. I mean, it's, I just can underline that, that of course, Exo is also in that sense, uh, quite an interesting way of sharing knowledge across organizations, across people. Um, and uh, which also drives a lot of the success of Axel's because at the end of the day, if there's a lot of interest by other parties looking at, or by, by different plants looking into the system and say, hey, what's in there which could help me? Uh, what what uh, what type of solution installation workflows, you know, the the guys of the digital lead plant did do and can I replicate it for me? That's also as a motivation to use the system and preserve and share the knowledge that the organization has. I fully agree. And thinking in some of these projects, so who were, are the sort of key stakeholders involved? And again, it depends on, on the project, but on a sort of a very high level, different right. areas of the business, who needs to be sort of kept informed and be part from the very beginning, let's say. Right. Look, I think, I think on a very high level, I would always maybe distinct three roles. Um, of course, the, the key role is, one of the key roles is uh, the end user or as we call it solution consumer. So the, so the head of, you know, production heads, the plant heads, the, 
line operators, production IT guys, so which are really looking for digital solutions to address specific problems in their environment. And they are the ones which are looking for use cases, which configure their requirements, and then ex at the end of the day also supervise at least the execution of the installation in their plants. Then the second role, I think, is um, are, the, are the experts that can configure solution stacks or then also maybe forward a required module for development into an R&D process like coding. So these are then really the, I would say, the, the classical IoT developers or, or software development teams which would do that. Uh, and the third, the third role, which is important, um, um, are the ones which are executing then the installation on site and enablement, which can be, which can be the same than the solution consumers or the end user. But sometimes you have also external service providers who do the hardware installation or the enablement. So these are the three three parties which need to come together um, in order to 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 bring a solution to life. And as said, typically these are plant heads, line heads. Uh, head of production systems in the first place. Second part would be central uh, digitization teams, development teams, if in the company or external partners who do that. And the third parties would be uh, external or internal service providers. And then the last role, which is important, is, you know, we call it the management role, which are typically central digitalization teams or CDO type of organizations, which uh, supervise the whole thing, right? So which manage which people are using the system, which are grant uh, access to it, which manage which type of solution elements are in the system so that you can build a solution with that. So this overarching, um, I would say, digitalization and strategy view. Uh, and to be honest, I mean, looking at these four at the end parties, um, it's more or less true for all the customers that somehow these organizations need to work together, right? end user in production or in manufacturing, IT side of teams or digitalization coding, service teams and strategy or digital CDO type of organizations in order to bring something to life. And um, that's what Exclus also manages uh, as a standard from, uh, from the engineering system that these parties work seamlessly together on, on concrete use cases and installations. And, and do you often, you mentioned at the end there, sort of C-level, but more on the sort of digital IT side. Obviously, very similar, a um, lot of um, similarities there between us and Sensei, but is there other input from other members of the C-level or, or are they just more kept informed rather than being sort of involved in the day-to-day -day running of these type of projects? Yeah. I'd imagine so. But... Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I think uh, <laughs> it's an interesting question. I think the C-level, of course, is also... Um, involved in the sense that they are, uh, of course, the, the final decision makers on the whole thing and what gets installed. I think the, one of the key features which uh, Axios provides, and it would be the management or the CDO type of role I described before, is that as we have in Axios also the value design of a solution part of the uh, stack, I would, I would say, we also have a feature where you can, before you install a, a digital solution in the shop floor, you can simulate the impact on your target KPIs or the value add. Which then, of course, at the end of the day, would also provide them some sort of uh, simulated value add you generated uh, out of the system with all the different installations. 
And I think this is also where 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 management, the C-level comes into play because at the end of the day, what they need to be interested in is, okay, digitalization is important. We got that. Uh, we enable the team to, to, to use digital technologies to become better. But what is now my quantified value add I generated? So did I save a million or 50 million or uh, how much more OEE do I get out of my solutions installed? And I think this is one of the key features that is interesting for the C-level to get involved in monitoring. So who uses which use cases, which templates, where are they installed? And then also getting out of the system and I mean, an indication of what the value generated out of the solutions is at the end of the day across the organization so that they can also prove to the outside world, hey, this is what we've done and this is how we measure it. So I would say they are important, of course. Um, they, I would rather keep them in the, in the fourth bucket, so management, and then there's a special focus, of course, on, on having a look at what is being done and especially what is the return on that. Uh, and Exodus can provide a simulated value add uh, out of that. So it's one of the features we have in the system. Okay. So that was the third part of our series looking at the challenges of implementing Industry 4.0 solutions. I hope you enjoyed it. From our conversation, Florian is clear that end users should be allowed to design and take control of their technology deployments to allow them to fully embrace the benefits of the industrial internet of things. Please subscribe via your favorite podcast provider if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, and it would mean a lot if you could let us know your feedback by leaving us a review. You can find out more about how Sentai can reduce unplanned downtime and contribute towards improved sustainability within your manufacturing plants by visiting Sentai.io. Thanks a lot for listening.